Greetings. Today we'll be looking at Daniel chapter 2. Let's go to God in prayer first and ask for His insight and understanding as we look into His Word. Father, we just thank You and praise You for who You are, the sovereign Lord and Creator over the whole universe. But even though You're holy and righteous, You seek to have a relationship with every person who would receive Jesus as their Savior. That Your mercy and Your grace are beyond our comprehension sometimes. that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, just give us understanding of how merciful You are, that we don't receive the punishment that we should receive because of Your grace, that we receive promise of eternal life, forgiveness of our sins, that Christ own righteousness is bestowed on us. And God, we thank You that You haven't left us here alone, that You've, as Jesus promised, You've given us Your Holy Spirit to indwell believers. May we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. May we yield to the movings that Your Holy Spirit places on our lives in service for You. In, in service for others. And God, that You've left us with Your Word also to tell us the story of redemption, of how even since the Garden of Eden, You've been crying out, searching for man to, to draw us back to You. And God, as we look at this passage today, just give us insight and understanding let us see who You are, how You are indeed sovereign, that all wisdom and power abides in You, but that You share that wisdom, You impart that wisdom on men and women, boys and girls, not for our glory, but for Your own glory. So God, as we look into this passage, Open our hearts and minds. Give our feet and our mouths action that we might declare these truths to those who we meet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, 
The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. This event, this account begins in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, the son of Nabopolassar, who had been uh, the, the, the king before him. Nebuchadnezzar had been the, the great general who had defeated the Egyptians and the Assyrians in 605 B.C. at the Battle of Carchemish. Soon thereafter, his father died. He returned to Babylon and was, uh, was set on the throne. He was made king in, in place of his father. He had returned to, to Judah and, and conquered Judah, Judah and Jerusalem, had taken uh, many of the young people and other uh, Judeans, uh, Judites, back to Babylon as his, as his captors had taken uh, articles and vessels out of the temple. Jerusalem is still standing, but there, uh, Judah and Israel is totally a vassal state to the great Nebuchadnezzar. The second year would be 603, 602 B.C. The Babylonians counted the, the first year as the ascension year. So this is really the, the third year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign as we would count it. Historians tell us that he was probably became king on September 7th, 605 B.C. And then the beginning of the next year would be his first year. 604 would be his first year, 603 his second year. So somewhere there, 603, 602 B.C., the, these events had happened. The significance maybe for, for Daniel, uh, as we're going to be introduced to him later in the, in the chapter, is that it's kind of at the completion of his three-year university level course or courses in Chaldean literature, language, uh, understanding, knowledge, that as, as Daniel and Hananiah, Misael, Azariah, four youths from, from royalty, perhaps even from the king's line, along with others, had been taken back to Babylon in captivity, that first uh, captivity in 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar had, had taken uh, many of the, 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 the youth, the more appealing youths, those without blemish, those of good appearance, those endowed with knowledge and understanding. And he had put them in this school to be taught by the, 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 the Chaldeans, the, the smartest and brightest professors of of Babylonian uh, knowledge, and that at the end of that period, said God gave all of them learning and skill. Back in chapter 1, verse 17, as for these four youths, verse 17, 
chapter 1, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in the literature and wisdom of the Chaldeans, and Daniel had understanding of vision and dreams. So we had just read that. We're going to see how just at the end of that period, God is going to uh, demonstrate that He had actually given Daniel understanding in, in dreams and visions or is going to continue to give Daniel that those understandings. So Nebuchadnezzar dreams dreams. He's, he's troubled. He, his sleep has left him. Some say that he uh, that this was a recurring dream, the same dream over and over, or perhaps similar dreams that he had that he had dreamt. Uh, just just over and over to the point where now he can't even sleep. Maybe you saw some reports on the uh, local news this week of COVID-19 dreams, of, of people with these bizarre dreams that they're dreaming, anxiety dreams over the, the details uh, or just over the events, regarding the events that we're, that we're all facing right now. I had found a couple of articles on the uh, internet. One, one said COVID-19 dreams are taking over the internet. And it described this California woman who had dreamt that she had gone to a grocery store. Prior to her, her trip, her cat had told her to buy a specific brand of chicken. But when she got there, the chicken was too expensive, so she picked a cheaper brand, got up to the register, but but the chicken that she was buying didn't have a part number on it, and so the cashier couldn't ring it up, and, and the and the lady was just confused and baffled, like how how am I supposed to find a part number on a piece of chicken? Another article in the Smithsonian magazine describes a a dream that a novelist had that he had visited a comic book store with Ronald Reagan. And while they're in the in the store, Ronald Reagan pickpocketed pickpocketed this this novelist and stole his wallet. So when he got up to the register he couldn't he couldn't pay for the comic books that he was buying. Others deal with with uh, stealing things because their anxiety over events one lady dreamed of, of finding a big hoard of toilet paper and breaking into the building and, and, and taking out just a truckload of, of, of toilet paper, stealing this toilet paper that she had never stolen anything in her life. But because of the, the, the shortages, she, she dreamed this dream, just the anxiety. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar's dream has to do with his anxiety. We're going to see as we look at the passage that God gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream. So as we go through it, ask yourself, why did God give Nebuchadnezzar this dream? So Nebuchadnezzar dreamed this dream. Um, some translations say he dreamed dreams, which seems rather obvious, but uh, he, he had this dream or a series of dreams. It was very troubling. What does this mean? Why am I seeing these things? 
I think he probably did dream the same thing over and over. It, that led to his anxiety and his, his troubledness that his sleep left him. So he called in the wise men of, of the times, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the, the Chaldeans, just a, four classifications of wise men. Uh, magicians, they say, were scholars who could write Conjurers and enchanters were believed to be able to communicate with the dead. Sorcerers um, practiced divination and uh, astrology. The, the Chaldeans, in this, in this case, sometimes Chaldeans are just a synonym for Babylonians, but in this case, it's a, it refers to a, a, a priestly caste who studied the heavens. So after this period of being troubled over his dream, Nebuchadnezzar calls in, he, he spares no expense, he calls in all of the wise men, the four different classifications of wise men. He brings them in before the king and he tells them, I've had a dream and, I, and I'm troubled to know the dream. It's a little bit ambiguous. Does this mean he hasn't, he can't remember the dream, or that he wants to know the the, the meaning of the dream? And scholars are kind of divided. Some say, well, he's troubled to know it. He's forgotten it. Others think that he he knows it, but he doesn't have a clue as to what it what it means. The, the, the wise men enter, the Chaldeans seem to take the, the lead there of the priestly caste and they, they, they give him the appropriate greeting. O king, live forever. Not just your lifetime, but, but continue to live into, into other eras. And then, and then they tell him a, a reasonable request. Tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. Verse 5, But the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. So Nebuchadnezzar has really changed the rules. Perhaps he had, as, as son of a king, had gone through some of the same training Maybe he had seen these Chaldeans get one over on his, on his own daddy before. He, he knows if I tell you the dream, then you're going to make something up. You're going to collude against me, and you're going to come up with a politically correct answer and, and just, just to save your own necks. And he said, nope. In this game, in this case, you're going to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And if you don't, then you're going to be torn limb from limb and your houses are going to be destroyed. But if you can, I'm going to give you gifts and rewards and great honors. So, what would you do? Would you be willing to take a shot? I mean, how many possibilities are there for the dream that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed? Since he's saying that, I think he either, maybe he remembers the dream. 
Uh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he knows that if they tell him the dream, then he'll remember. But he's laid it out pretty, uh, pretty strongly that I want you no, no games, no shenanigans, none of your usual tricks. You tell me the dream, and you and 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 the interpretation, and I'll give you great rewards and gifts and honors. But if you don't, your your history, and it's not going to be fun being torn limb from limb. So verse seven, they answered him a second time and said, "Let the king." Tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall, I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Kind of picture this, this scene, this setting of the Chaldeans being called in before Nebuchadnezzar, and, and, and they, they say, O king, live forever. They give him an honorable, an honoring and, and, and respectful greeting. There might be a little brown nosing going on here, but I think it was just the common way they would address the king and, and, and give him blessing and, and, and ask that he uh, be successful and of good health. They honor him, and he tells them, I want you to tell me this dream. And if you tell me the dream, then I'll know your interpretation is, is true. Think of their response and, and their, their speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. And I picture the Chaldeans' voices going, up an octave and Nebuchadnezzar's voice going down an octave. That they begin just speaking naturally. He tells them the dream and then it says that, a, that, that they answered, verse 7, a second time. I think their voice is getting a little bit higher. It's like, tell us the dream, tell us the dream and then we'll show you the interpretation. And in verse 8, I can hear Nebuchadnezzar's voice going down. I know you guys. I know you're trying to stall for time. If you don't make this dream known to me, your, your, the sentence is going to be upon you. You've agreed to tell lies and corrupt words. And in verse 10, they answer him again. And they're probably speaking in, in, in soprano by the time they say this. There's not anybody on earth that can tell this. That they're, 
they know he means business. They know he defeated the Egyptians and the Assyrians, the two dominant powers prior to the Neo-Babylonian Empire. They know that he shows no mercy when he doesn't get his way. And then, then by the time they get through uh, pleading and begging and tell him, just tell us the dream, just tell us the dream, and then they say no king has ever asked this sort of thing, which is probably true, that who would come up with such, a, such an idea? But he wants to make sure he has the right, the right answer. They say only the gods can do that, but they don't dwell with flesh. The Babylonian gods didn't dwell among men. You can see the contrast being set up in the false gods and idols of the Babylonians and the one true God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You, you see where this is going. The Chaldeans are beside themselves with, with fear and anxiety over what's about to happen. They have their own gods, temples to their gods, but their gods don't dwell among men and don't speak to men. So, that, so Nebuchadnezzar becomes more angry, very furious, and he, he, he commands all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. Like I've had it with these guys. They can't even do something simple. Some wise men they are, they can't even tell me my dream. He's, he's beyond reason. And so the decree goes out that, that, that Dan, the wise men, including Daniel and his companions, this, this latest class from, from the Wisdom University of, of Babylon that would include Daniel and, and Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, they're, they're, they're going to be killed too. They haven't been brought in. They're, they're still novices, even though we know God has given them this wisdom. So the word goes out that they're to be executed as well. They, they come to Daniel. They seek Daniel and his companions. Verse 14, Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the king, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men. So Arioch has, has gone out. He, he finds the, the four Israelite young people. They're probably 17 or 18 years old. And notice what he does. Does his voice go up in octave? Does it go down? He says, no, he, he replies with prudence and discretion. That, that even as a young man, Daniel was gifted by God with, with wisdom, with understanding, with, with knowing who is really in control. And so he asked Arioch, what's going on? Why is the king's decree so urgent? Then it says, then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the dream. So Daniel is not in that group of Chaldeans 
magicians, sorcerers, enchanters that go in initially before the king. But he is he he has already been known by the king. He he gets an appointment with the king. He's allowed to go in and say, Nebuchadnezzar, give me a little bit of time and I will tell you the interpretation of the dream. Verse 17. So what do you do? You're Daniel. Do you start figuring out a way to to escape from Babylon, to escape from from the king's palace or wherever your quarters are, to to return to to Jerusalem, which is under Babylonian dominance. Well, there's really only one thing Daniel can do. Verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, and he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said. So after Daniel was given time by Nebuchadnezzar to, to interpret this dream, to, to learn this dream, he goes back to his house and he tells his, his three buddies what's going on. Why? So that they, might, they may seek mercy from the God. They call a, an, an impromptu prayer meeting. These four teenagers are giving us an example on what to do in, in troubling times. But they also know full well who is, who is in control that all the wise men of Babylon have no answers. The Babylonian gods that are made of metal and wood and stone certainly have no answers. This is that, that, that Daniel knows that the God of heaven can give them the answer. Interesting, the Babylonians worshiped the heavens but Daniel goes to the God above all heavens, the God of, of the heavens, to reveal this, this mystery. Mystery in the sense of something unknown, not, not of something spooky, but something unknown, and that they seek God's mercy in, 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 in these troubling times. Mercy receiving, not receiving what you deserve. Daniel says that, God, we don't deserve this, but because you're a merciful God, we're seeking the answers from you. So they pray. It says that he receives the answer in a vision of the night. Most of the time, in the Bible, the word dreams refers to uh, a, something that you see while asleep, a dream. And a vision implies something that's seen while you're awake. So if we're using that as our, as our definition, then apparently Daniel and his 
friends pray most of the night that they keep seeking God's mercy in this situation to reveal the, the, the answer to Him. So if you're writing this book, these, these chronicling these events, what do you record next? It's like God gave them, revealed to them the mystery, the unknown about the king's dream. Not only the interpretation, but also what the dream itself was. Even, even greater than what God had, had given Joseph. That Pharaoh had told Joseph the dream, and then, then Joseph told Pharaoh what, what the meaning of the, of the dream was. In this case, God demonstrates His, His sovereignty even greater to Daniel than He did to, to Joseph in telling them what the dream, what the dream was as well as, as its interpretation. So do you immediately record the, the dream? Look what Daniel does. This is called the, the Psalm of Daniel. He, he records probably his response and the response of, of his three friends after receiving it. They don't go immediately to Nebuchadnezzar to, to save their lives. They pause and, and, and praise God. He says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. To, <coughs> excuse me. To you, O God of, our, of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given the wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Daniel's psalm is praise to God in response to, to God answering their prayer begins with, with adoration, as, as really all our prayer should. It says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. And then he mentions attributes of God, things that Daniel saw as being part of, of, of God's character and being that actually name it, it really is referring to the character and, and, and being of, of God. He says, in, in God is all wisdom and might. That though Daniel's been 
taken 600 miles from his home, forced to learn a, a new language, forced to serve a, a pagan king that he's attributing all wisdom and all power to the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. A.W. Tozer says that the idea of God as infinitely wise is at the root of all truth. It's the datum of belief necessary to the soundness of all other beliefs about God. Do we truly believe that? We think that, that all wisdom originates within God and, and that is just the starting point then for soundness in, in all other beliefs. And having that wisdom, Tozer says, it's the ability to devise the perfect end and to achieve those ends by the perfect means. Was Daniel thinking that earlier in the in the day when Nebuchadnezzar sent Arioch to, to kill him and and his three Hebrew companions? Probably so. That Daniel's view of God was such that God was omnipotent, all powerful, but also all knowing. And so that even though they found themselves far from home, Daniel is, is acknowledging that, that God is the one who's in control. The second part of, of Daniel's praise, prayer of praise, is that he says that God gives that wisdom to men, to men and women. Says he changes times and season and removes kings and sets up kings, and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. So Daniel realizes and acknowledges in his adoration to God that that this wisdom and powers within God. God is the sole possessor of that, but that he, he shares that with men and women, that he gives us that, that wisdom. And it's by God's power that times change. Chuck Swindoll points out that the unchangeable God works in changes time, seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. It's 2020, an election year in the United States, and that God moves and sets up kings, presidents, queens, rulers, that all those are, are by God's power and wisdom to devise the perfect end and achieve it via the perfect means, as, as Tozer said. And then the third part of Daniel's praise, in verse 23, 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and made known to me what we asked, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So wisdom abides in God. He gives that to men and women, but not just men and women that Daniel read about in, in the Scripture, not just Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Solomon, but also that he gives he has given that wisdom to Daniel himself, that God has made known to me what we asked you. God has made known to us who the Savior is, Jesus Christ. And if you have received Him as your Savior, God has revealed that to you. I think it's amazing that Daniel took the time to praise God for the answer to their prayer that he just didn't rush out immediately to, to save his own neck and save his friends' necks, but that they, they paused and, and thanked God for the answer and that they realized that that wisdom, that understanding was nowhere to be found within Daniel or Hananiah or Misael or Azariah but that it was only from God. That Daniel's view of, of God is of the sovereign creator and sustainer, but that he, he also realizes that he is a personal God who has given Daniel these answers. As we saw back in chapter 1, verse 17, God gave them learning and skill God gave Daniel understanding and, and visions. They were found to be ten times better than all the enchanters and magicians in the, in the kingdom. And then it didn't take long before Daniel and his friends were in a situation where God was going to make known who He was is and how he was going to use these youths in his kingdom. We'll stop there for this week. We'll see what happens after Daniel's prayer of praise next week starting in, in verse 24. And I think the application to us is God is still the God of wisdom and might. And though we may not understand why disease comes on the earth, why a certain political party is in, in power, whether it be the party we prefer or the, or the other side, but that God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings that He gives wisdom and understanding 
to His children and that we look to Him for knowledge and that we, we bow to His wisdom and power knowing that He will achieve the perfect end by the perfect means. Father, I thank You for Your Word. God, may Your name be blessed forever and ever. May it be lifted up above all other names. We know that You are all wisdom and all power. And that You give us that wisdom and that understanding even in a personal sense to each individual as You reveal Your Son, our Savior and Redeemer. God, may we thank You and praise You for all that You've done, for Your mercy, Your grace, Your unending love, knowing that the promises that Your Word reveals to us are as, as true, that You're faithful to Your promises regardless of what our situation is in, what situation we're in, God, may we realize that You're in control and that You have a plan for our lives. God, may we seek that to know You and to yield to Your to your plan. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.